We're here, honey. We're here. Yeah. Well, if you didn't know, uh, uh, I started uh, as lead pastor of this church uh, seven months ago. But it really wasn't until yesterday we felt like we actually moved here because uh, I left the platform last Sunday, as I told you. I'm glad you're here, by the way. And I did take the 2,000 miles to come here for this morning. But uh, it was a great trip. We had spectacular weather. We had no mechanical problems in that rental truck. We had uh, no safety scares in that truck. And, and the police officers were nice. So you really can't speed in a truck that's that big and full. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we were so blessed when we arrived uh, at our home, which is over on Madeline and Ald. We're renting a house over there on a little bit of acreage, which is so sweet, um, that 20, 20 or so of you came, and we unloaded that truck like in an hour. And that's like so much faster than it took to load a truck. You know what it is? It's like a couple of days back in Indiana getting that thing loaded, but 2,000 miles and uh, we are here, and I am excited to be able to share with you this morning for us together around a sort of a family table. This is a unique Sunday for us as we kick off a new series called uh, Living the Call Together. And I just want us to open our hearts up because, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just the culmination of us getting our physical stuff moved here. Maybe it's the culmination of pushing through from uh, not just November, but in particular from February, March, April with so many changes for us as a church and the renaming. And now here we are on the precipice of, of this beginning summer and we're going to be at the park this afternoon. But there's something inside of me that says, let's just let's just get around this family table. Let's recalibrate. Let's praise God for his faithfulness, his ableness. And let's join together to, to catch a Catch a fresh vision for what he wants us to do, because it's not like you cast vision once. And I know some of you have been on a journey with me in these months and vision sort of leaks. And so you have to come back and always keep filling the container back up because God has called us as a body to be on mission uh, we're called the Awakening Church to bring people alive that are around us in our life, beginning with ourselves. And um, he has some special things for us in these coming weeks. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we give you this uh, remaining time that we're seated here together. We've worshipped you in song. We've worshipped you in some brief testimony. And Lord, now we need to worship you by hearing your Spirit speak to us a fresh word of encouragement and exhortation individually, as families, as a church family. And even if people are new here this morning, Lord, all of us together need to hear from you your encouragement, your challenge, your instruction for us as a people. You created us for a purpose. You've got plans for us. Lord, we want to be faithful to walk into those plans every day. And so, Lord, here's our heart. Here's our ears. Here's our minds. Here's our spirit. Amen. Traveling 2,000 miles, you have time to reflect a little bit, though it was a bouncy ride, and they don't put very good seats in those rail trucks. You have time to reflect, especially when you've had one season of life in a geographical area. Your kids grew up, you build a church ministry, 
handed that ministry off to really competent leaders, and God's moving you and planting you and your family in another locality for another season of time, maybe for the whole last half of your life. Those 2,000 miles give you time to think, time to be grateful. Maybe you've had times in your life where God has given you a little bit of window time to reflect and be thankful, but also um, to be solemn in your perspective about what's ahead. I believe for us that it's not a journey just of time as individuals and as a church family. I believe it's a journey of depth for us spiritually, and it's a journey of us becoming like Christ so that we can become co-heirs with Christ forever. And one of these days, our big cross-country journey will be from this life to the next life. And the next life is not a life of sitting on a cloud and playing a harp. Whatever your vision is. Scriptures clearly teach that we are to be co-heirs with Christ. That we will rule and reign. And that He has a destiny and a place prepared for us that will blow us away. You move from one house and you have memories there to another house that you know will create memories. This morning I, I, I was up really early and trying to get my focus together. My mind was really blurry from all that transpired. I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. But out our front window, um, you see the, the, the hills over Lake Skinner. And I saw the sunrise this morning. And I thanked God for the rising of a new day. And reminded me of our logo even for the awakening. It's the rising sun, not a setting sun. And then is it balloon Sunday around here? You saw all the all the balloons, the, the high rise balloons over Lake Skinner, and I'm like, that is really cool. But you move from one locality to another locality to build memories. And I think in terms of what's happening to us as believers in Christ, if you're a follower of his we are moving through this day and age that God has given us to participate with Him to a greater day and age. And there is a place that He's preparing for us that will blow us away. And we will be amazed at how He has chosen us and redeemed us for an eternal purpose that will be throughout the eons of time. But when you travel 2,000 miles, when you travel from one season of life to the next, and all of us have done these different kinds of journeys, you pause and you have perspective. I want us to have some perspective this morning in what God is calling us to do as believers and followers of Him together in His kingdom's work. Living the call together, we're going to be focusing on for these three weeks, we're going to talk about how to really join together as a body to do the missional work of God and join together to love and to care for one another like we received loved and care yesterday from a bunch of people. And we actually received it when we left because people saw on Facebook we were leaving. So we had different people stopping by. We couldn't get things loaded because we're interacting with everybody. But, you know, you know, God has plans and purposes for us. I want us to just freshly dig into. This journey of 2,000 miles, though, reminded me that it's not just this journey of geography, but the journey of years. And I want to take us back and connect us with the journey that started 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ. We're going to close with a song this morning that talks about Him being the man of sorrows and what He's done for us. But Jesus Christ inaugurated what's called the church age. And we are living 
for him on mission, whether in our neighborhoods, whether on the ball fields, whatever it may be. And Jesus Christ is redeeming and changing lives. And we are a part of a continuation of his story, a continuation of his journey of building the church, which is the body of Christ, of which we are a small representation in this room. And part of the journey that we have been on as a church existed before this church started 10 years ago. And that was a movement called the Alliance. And the Alliance is short for the Christian Missionary Alliance or the CMA. And that doesn't stand for Country Music Association. All right? That's the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And a movement was started by a man by the name of A.B. Simpson in the last part of the 1800s. And this church, when it began, began as a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. And so I'm going to have the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance speak to you for 10 minutes. A video that he, he does a blog every month on video. And this video he did after he'd only been president of the CMA. He was elected actually a year ago this month. A year ago this week we were in Tampa uh, Bay uh, for General Council of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he was elected the new president. And he did this blog in November from New York City, where the Christian Missionary Alliance started from. And I used this blog to connect us with the greater history for who we are as a people. I don't know about you, but sometimes I grow weary in well-doing when I don't have context for why I'm doing what I'm doing and what I'm a part of. So this is going to help give us context for living the call together. And then I want to speak to us about what that means as a local body here in the Temecula Valley. I think this is inspirational, at least as it is for me, because he goes back to the founder of the movement, and he's going to share about that a little bit. But this is John Stumbo talking about A.B. Simpson, who began the movement that we're a part of as a local church. It's great to have a brother here from our sister church, Crosspoint, today, because they're another Christian Missionary Alliance church. So watch John Stumbo, and this sets the context for what I want to share. Hey team, I'm, I'm here in New York City for my first board meeting. I'm excited to talk to you today because I'm just less than a mile from where this whole journey called the Christmas Alliance began. I'm going back to the years 1881-82. 81, the U.S. headlines announced the stunning news that our president, James Garfield, had been shot at a Washington, D.C. train station. He would die 11 weeks later. The headlines reported other violence, like outlawed Billy the Kid being shot in New Mexico and a gunfight at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona with American legends like Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. The years following 1882 would bring us the Statue of Liberty, the Washington Monument, the Eiffel Tower, the Brooklyn Bridge, Kodak Camera, Wall Street Journal, Coca-Cola with its mix of cocaine and caffeine served at the Jacobs Pharmacy in Atlanta, Georgia. In the years that follow would come North and South Dakota, Montana, Washington. But right now, 1881-82, there's 38 states and, and fascinating developments like electricity. Thomas Edison starting the first power station here in lower Manhattan. 59 customers <coughs> to begin. 82, the electric fan, electric clothes iron, and false teeth were patented. And the first Labor Day observance, the first string of Christmas tree lights, and the first seventh inning stretch as a new American tradition is launched. 
Alexander Graham Bell makes that first historic phone call to the mayor of Chicago. Uh, the American John Sullivan becomes the last bare-knuckled world heavyweight champ. Mary Todd Lincoln, spouse of, of Ab Abraham, dies of a stroke. Nietzsche pronounces the death of God. Van Gogh paints, Brahms composes, and the Heinz Company bottles ketchup for the first time. Meanwhile, there's a new pastor that has arrived in town. He has come to the 13th Street Presbyterian Church. His wife was a bit reluctant, to say the least, in bringing their four children from Louisville, Kentucky to the nation's largest city. But immediately there was, there was significant growth, new members being added every time the church session met during Pastor Simpson's ministry. But soon, conflicts started to arise. For example, the young pastor was ministering to the Italian quadrant, a hundred new believers that he asked his, presbytery, his Presbyterian leaders, could they become members of the church? They refused. This was in direct conflict with an agreement that he thought he had with their leadership that they would unite together in reaching the unchurched masses of this city something else was stirring in the Presbyterian pastor's heart. He began to believe that he needed to be immersed, baptized by immersion. So he approached an Italian Baptist pastor and asked if he could be immersed. The pastor, his wife, and A.B. Simpson gathered on an autumn day in 1881. The water was cold as ice, but the Presbyterian pastor was immersed. He had committed in his installation service that he would uphold the policies and practices of, of the Presbyterian church, and now he was in violation of that, so he had to submit his resignation. October 31st, 1881. He resigned. November 6th would be his last Sunday. November 7th, he met with the New York Presbytery, and he left that meeting without employment, without income, without church or denomination. From one of the nation's most influential pulpits, he seems to step into oblivion. But it wasn't without vision <laughs> for what was next. He writes, I left my church to form a church for the people of all classes. Two weeks later, he would conduct meetings where he spoke of the spiritual needs of New York City. He invited any who would be in sympathy with an aggressive spiritual movement to come to a follow-up meeting. And on November 23rd, 1881, Simpson and seven others gather around a little stove in a cold and cheerless dance hall. And there they open their Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And they knelt together and they thanked God that they were few, poor, and weak. And then they thrust themselves upon the might of the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, 
Simpson had another vision that he was working on. He, he launched his second attempt at a magazine. The first issue would come out on New Year's Day, 1882. He declares New York's churches are responsible for the religious and moral welfare of two million souls. He observes that there are armies, there are armies of young men brought up by godly parents who never go to church. And he's disturbed that in this city, while there's been significant growth, there has been not growth in the work of the church. In the last five years, he explains, there has been an increase of 165,000 inhabitants and not a single new church or organization added to the total number. A city as large as Cleveland, Buffalo, or Washington has been added to us and not one additional organized Christian force has arisen to meet its spiritual need. Where have the Christians of New York been these five years? They have fallen asleep. They have been discussing nice theories and preaching beautiful sermons and letting the people perish. They have been doing far worse. They have been riding to heaven in palace sleeping cars while trains upon trains of perishing souls have been plunging into the unbridged abyss and crying, no man cared for my soul. They have been building up colossal ecclesiastical piles whose very grandeur walled out the lowly and lost ones. Simpson's demographic work is fantastic. His strategy is fascinating and his passion is obvious. He gives a remedy in this long article that the remedy for our spiritual situation in New York is the repentance of professing Christians, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the revival of evangelistic work in the Christian church. And then he closes with this statement of let us awake. Let Christians then awake from their respectability. Let religion cease to be an amusement and let it become a holy trust. Let the churches open their doors freely to all classes and let members go to their neighborhoods and invite them in. Let the public halls and theaters be open for evangelistic services and let plain, earnest men go wherever they can, gather the masses together in little communities or great and preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit and the simplicity of love. Let the interests of our church be forgotten in the honor of Christ and the peril of souls. Let us be sure we are saved and let us be sure men are lost. And then let us speak as men that believe. Let us give up our plans of pleasure, selfishness, and ease and prepare for a winter of earnest work. Let us put away our idols and turn from our abominations. And above all, let us cry mightily to Him for the word of power and the breath of life that alone can change this valley of dry bones 
into an exceeding great army of living souls and soldiers of the cross. And we shall find that there are resources enough among us if touched by the consecrating power to save the city, to save the world. Simpson's passion burns through every paragraph, not because of who he was, but because of who the Spirit of God within him is. The Spirit of God that calls us to look at our cities with as much seriousness and passion and concern and confidence that the dry bones, the dry bones can once again become living souls and soldiers of the cross. Leaders of the Christian Missionary Alliance, I'm calling us to this same kind of passion. It's stirred in this city, in the heart of our founder. May we contextualize our ministry in such a way that we see our cities, that we embrace our cities, that we see the unchurched masses among us. May we go to our knees and discover what it is that God would say to us in this day, at this time, for this adventure that continues called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. God bless you. Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you comprehend just a group of people gathered in a building after a traumatic transition from a church that A.B. Simpson had with a heart to reach not only New York City, but a heart to reach the world? And God takes simple, yielded individuals such as him and those who are around him and creates movements. The movement of Christian Missionary Alliance today exists in over 80-some countries. There's 650 funded missionaries from uh, just the U.S. alone. There's over 2,000 U.S. churches. There's close to uh, 4 million people worldwide that are part of Alliance churches. Numerous schools, a lot of amazing things that are happening. And in the midst of all that stands Jesus Christ who is actively at work drawing people to himself. The Alliance and many other denominational movements that God has raised up and parachurch movements across the history of time is doing the kingdom's work. We have been given orders. Someone like John Stumbo, he's sort of a boss to me in one sense, so he's a co-laborer with me. Day in and day out, whether traveling in a truck across 2,000 miles or journeying uh, with family memories, maybe for you working in your place of employment, being able to take on some recreational opportunity, we are to be on the mission of drawing people to Jesus Christ. And I'm always excited when I get to tap into something much bigger and see what God's doing in His kingdom work. I reference the Christian Missionary Alliance because when this church was started 10 years ago, the founding pastor, Dave Reynolds and his wife, chose to be connected to something larger than themselves. And so they became a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. In fact, Dave, when Dave transitioned from this church as lead pastor uh, last August, he transitioned 
into a role with the Christian Missionary Alliance that you just heard about to raise up church planters. In fact, Dave and I had lunch again a week ago Friday, and we talked about how this church here can be a part of raising up church planters and people going and starting churches and being part of things. And it's just a great chance to hear his heart and see how he's getting into some of the colleges, Alliance Colleges and other colleges. We're actually in the spring going to hopefully be hosting some people from New York City area here in this church who are preparing to be church planters and church starters. So we are part of something much bigger. But to be able to be inspired by something much bigger, we have to come back and make sure that we are functioning very well as a local body in Christ. And one of the challenges I've had in my journey in the seven months that I've been here is to get a read on where we are as individuals, as family units, and as a people in our commitment level to the grander kingdom mission that Jesus Christ instituted 2,000 years ago when he started the church. And, And he gave us what is listed here as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Those verses will never, ever go away. In fact, if Jesus was to stand here this morning and say, wow, Jesus showed up. We're going to hear from Jesus today. What do you want to say to us, Jesus? I mean, have at it. He said, I'd say to you the same thing I said to my disciples when I left back then 2,000 years ago. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You've heard me give that reference to that verse several times since I've been here in seven months, and the reason I can't get away from it is because it was the Great Commission that Jesus gave His disciples when He ascended to the heavens and then sent His Spirit. I'd like to have, I don't know if it's right in the back, I am going to pass out your notes for the next three weeks. How do you like that? I am going to give you a handbook that we did, and uh, this handbook uh, is entitled Living the Call Together, and it's actually going to talk about participating membership, and it's us getting our hands around what it means to be committed as a local body to the grander cause of the mission of Jesus. Just come forward and pass them like offering plates, except you get to take something this time rather than give us something. Um, And uh, with this um, handbook... um, you are actually entering, whether you like it or not right now, into a membership class. Instead of having a separate membership class for this church, I decided to bring the class to us on a Sunday morning. But I promise you, I will not make this some boring, drug-out time. All right? This is going to be an equipping time, a teaching time, us getting focused on being on the same page together. So everybody take one. I did enough for everybody. That's cool. Don't feel like you need to um, hand off on them. I messed up the stapling on some of them. My apologies on it. But uh, we're going to walk through this. And what happens uh, here today is that you have the opportunity to declare not just before the Uh, leadership and the body of the awakening church, your desire to be committed to the Great Commission. But you're really declaring the opportunity before Jesus Christ to say, I'm on board. I want to see what God's going to do in this valley, in the networks that I have through this church to uh, live out the call together. And so I'm just going to walk through a little bit of this. And sometimes it's better to read things that are written as clear and I'm much more succinct and we move through things quicker. But uh, the opening part, I'm not going to park here much. If you've been around here a while, especially in the first uh, few uh, couple months of uh, me coming to the awakening, 
uh, we walked through uh, some of the mission of who we are. And uh, we came up uh, with this phrase, fully alive in Christ and to his mission, as the definition to what it means to be the awakening church. In fact, one of the things I loved about those A.B. Simpson words he read out of that article is he said what? We need to become Awake! I said, yeah, that's it! We named it right, you know, Awake! A.B. Simpson, you know, 100 and what, 130 years ago now he started the movement. Uh, he was thinking the same thing. In fact, I loved his words that Christians have to awaken or whatever and move away from their respectability. And, you know, we've got to become more engaged in what Jesus really called his disciples to do. So who we are as a church, if you're committed, if you're on board, if you're saying, let's, let's move the mountains for God through the Awakening Church, is that we are calling people to become fully alive in Christ and to His mission. We split that out by saying becoming fully alive in Christ means by embracing the person of Jesus as redeeming Savior, abiding sanctifier, transforming healer, and coming King. A.B. Simpson was very clear with uh, the goal of what the faith movement's about. It's calling people to Jesus. We are called by Jesus. We are called to Jesus. We are called to obey. We are called to abide. It's all about Jesus. In fact, if you studied a history book for the Christian Missionary Alliance, it's entitled All for Jesus. And he wrote a bunch of hymns. Sometimes they weren't very good hymns music-wise, A.B. Simpson did. But the lyrics and the theology in them were spectacular in places. Because he was focused on the person and the life of Jesus. Not on all the peripherals that a lot of times we as churches get caught up in. And so he coined the fourfold gospel, which is Jesus Christ, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. And so I put some adjectives to that. But what it means to be fully alive in Christ is to embrace Christ, to know Christ, to experience Christ in all of his fullness. And friends, you and I will never, ever even in eternity, outlive the depth of opportunity we have to grow in intimacy with the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine an infinite being and you think you get to know them and figure them out? Not. You will always be able to climb in deeper and have your heart's longing to know Christ more fulfilled because He is an infinite, eternal being, the one who created all. And so I love that thought. You know, sometimes you go, hey, I got to know that person. I figured them out. I moved on. Right? That doesn't happen with the Lord. So to become fully alive in Christ means to know who we are in Him, who He's about, and to pursue Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then becoming fully alive to His mission, advancing the kingdom of God every day through the presence, the power, the people, and the proclamation of Jesus. So we have been called to Jesus for a purpose. You've been called to Jesus to take Jesus with you wherever you go and to be able to call people in to what it means to be a disciple of His and to be fully alive. So that's our vision. It's very simple, becoming fully alive in Christ and to His mission. And you've heard it spoken. We now have it on a plaque out there. You know, we're doing pretty cool with it. Again, vision leaks, so we try to keep it before us. And we're given definition for what it means for us to be the awakening church. Awakening people to who they can be in Christ and who they can be serving Christ on His mission. 
We list three values, and there's verses listed here. I won't be going through those. You've uh, seen these referenced at some place before, I believe. But I wrestled in coming to the awakening. And you need to know that when I came here, I said, Lord, how do, I, how, how do we help redefine what your, your calling really is for us and what values we should uphold? And so um, I used to carry like five or six different ones with me at one time. But I said, you know, we sort of lose track of those. So I've, I've re-clarified them. I reworked them, engaged with the elders on it and staff and some other people. And these are the values that support the mission for who we are as a church. A Christ-centered, deeper life. A grace-giving, communal life. And a kingdom-advancing, missional life. And you should recognize that diagram there because we spent a few weeks on it. But it's referencing passionate spirituality, radical community, and missionary zeal. Vision, values, and then I list venues. Right now, there's two key venues that we're focused on. One is to have a catalytic worship gathering when we come. Once every seven days, or however God would make calls to it, a weekly and inviting celebration of the light, truth, and the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday when I worship over here, I get scared. Do you ever think about having to be the pastor and stand up here and represent Jesus? I get scared because I don't want me up here. I want Jesus up here. And so as you pray, and some come early and pray over chairs, which is so cool. And I know as a worship team preps on a Thursday, and, and we, is that we want to be found in the presence of Jesus. And the problem is we come in through the doors with a lot of junk going on in our heads and our lives. And sometimes it takes us a couple songs just to go, oh, yeah, I'm at church. Uh, you know, bring a spirit-prepared person best you can, kids and all, and come because Jesus says that he will be in our midst where his name is lifted up, wherever two or three are gathered in my name. So I don't get worried if I know that we're here gathered in his name, not my name, the team worship team's name, or any other agenda that we brought into the building. If we're here gathering in his name, seeking him, he promises to be here. And if we look at his word and uphold his word, he promises to be here. So that's encouraging me. But we want to create a catalytic worship gathering that's Christ-centered focused each and every week. Sometimes you'll leave really charged and encouraged. Other times you might leave having really been broken by the Spirit about something in your life. But I want us to be able to meet with God here. Now, we meet with God where we're at. He goes with us, right? But there's something special and unique about the gathering of the body of Christ. Well, I just watched... A worship uh, service on TV. Well, good luck. Because I'm not sure that's the same catalytic kind of experience Jesus envisioned when he called the church into existence. There's community. There's connectedness. Yeah, sometimes there's awkwardness, right? But that's all people stuff. But we come in his name, seeking him and worshiping him and looking into his word. And you... Sh- I'm... I know what the typical preacher lines are, so I always hesitate to say them because it's like, oh yeah, I've heard that. That's your job. Friends, make this gathering a priority in your life. And you make it a priority for your kids if you have some too. I mean, I had to be like close to death to skip church with my mom and dad growing up. You know what I'm saying? 
And I don't care if you're 18 years old. If you're still under the roof, you're here in church. All right? If you're away traveling, you've got great weekend plans, that's sweet. But, you know, if you could get up at 7 in the morning and make it to second service from whatever distance away you are, give it a shot. It might be worth it. Make it a priority. We're so, I don't know, and you have to forgive me too, the Midwest has its issues. But I'm learning the West Coast has its issues too. Okay? People ask us, where are you going for vacation? I go, why? If I did vacation, I'd go back to see my family because I'm on vacation. I'm in California, Southern California. What do you do? Back in the Midwest, you know, I, I, I remember this about 10 years ago, I had to soberly own up to the reality that people come to church three out of four Sundays a month. I have now come to realize, and maybe it's some of the West Coast issue, that really what you get is about two out of four a month. And I hope I'm not, well, if I am stepping on toes, so be it. Here's the reality. All right? There's no continuity in that that builds any sense of community, of purpose, and, and dialing your kids in from one week to the next. And that's a scary thing. We have our kids for such a narrow window of time. I mean, guys, you take pictures, you put them on Facebook, you go, how'd they get that big, right? And the discipline of being in the body of Christ, warts and all, is really important. And it will come back somewhere in the future to be a win, even if you have individuals, I believe, in your families that go amiss for a period of time. So the priority of being here, not just for yourself, but can I say this? There are people here that need to be encouraged this morning that I can't get to. But you're going to shake their hand. You're going to say, how are you doing? And you're going to see something, the look in their eye, and you're going to go, you okay? And then just say, hey, can I pray for you this week? Or maybe pray for you right now? We minister together as the community. And not just in this building, but the children's venue. In the student meeting, second service, in the student room, this is a pretty big deal. And I don't do it because, oh, I send in numbers on attendance to the big people in the Christian Missionary Alliance every year. And are we on a growth trajectory? Friends, I've lived long enough, done ministry long enough. I really don't care about numbers. But I do care about lost people. I do care about hurting people. I do care about wounded Christians. And I'm interested in us doing the work of the kingdom of God and seeing people come to know Christ in His fullness and be on mission with Him. Enough preaching on that. You hear what I'm saying. Make a commitment. We're at the start of the summer. Be here if at all possible. And if you're not here, find yourself in a church. And if not in a church, find yourself in some worship gathering. Circle up around a campfire. Pray with Jesus. Sing some songs. I don't know. Look at a psalm and scriptures. Spend time keeping focused on spiritual um, foundations in your life. All right, I'm moving on. Missional communities, I'm not going to talk about that. I've talked enough about that. In homes throughout the valley, an extended family of friends discovering Christ and living on God's mission together in everyday life. The next page is why the awakening, why we named it this way. You guys have seen some of those before. I put them in this little handbook. This is what I want to call our attention to directly, though, this morning, is this next page called Participating Membership. We have never had at this church in 10 years of existence a really defined membership list of who is a part of this body of people. 
part of that, and I can relate as a church planner, having started two other churches before I came here, I don't want to get caught up in all the institutional stuff of an organization. I like just being a group of people that are hanging together, doing stuff for God. Let's make things happen. But I also realized over the course of a few years that things can get willy-nilly, and we need to call ourselves to some accountability and encouragement and a blessing upon who we are as a body of people. And so membership is going to become more of an identifiable reality at the Awakening Church than it's ever really been before. We've been uh, talked about it as elders a couple weeks ago at a meeting. There's been some sputtering to get going and pull back and getting organized as church, etc. Well, you just need to know my goal is to walk through a bunch of stuff this summer with our leadership and with you as a body so we become more of a defined, uh, clearly, um, not just organized body of people, but a passionate, um, unified people living the call together. And so participating membership is part of this whole aspect of living the call of God together. And what I'm going to do with this, hopefully this won't bore you, it's right before you, is I'm going to read it for the reasons I mentioned before. Why membership? Romans 12.5 talks about the different members of the body, right? So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The Awakening Church strives to keep outreach as a priority by establishing safe environments to seek spiritual truth, experience God's presence, engage authentic Christ followers, and hear the transforming gospel message of His kingdom and grace. But offering worship services, providing programming, meeting in groups, and even serving our neighbors through missional efforts does not necessarily mean we are a church. What makes us a church is the biblical community we are committed to with one another under under the headship of Jesus Christ. We then together live out the purposes and calling of Jesus Christ in our world. We have attenders, guests, and infrequent observers, but we also have the awakening members who are committed to being a part of a biblically functioning community. Anyone can belong to our growing community and enjoy relational connectedness without being a church member, which is true here this morning, so don't ever feel like you can't just hang with us. But we see membership as a vital means of pursuing God's calling for us as a body of followers. Now, one might assume that as long as you profess Christ, what is the need for any further identification with a local church? Isn't it enough simply to call yourself a Christian and attend services somewhere regularly? Why formal membership? Well, We list three reasons here. There's probably others, but these are three definitive things that I just wanted to bring to you. First, we believe the concept of membership is biblical. While the term church member is never used, the concept is implicit throughout the New Testament. Believers clearly identified themselves with a specific local body and were challenged to become devoted participants. You know, we referenced that a few weeks ago when we talked about the church in this town, the church in that town, the church in that town. As you read Scripture you saw that the body was gathered in these local communities. Second, formal membership is valuable to church leaders as they seek to fulfill their God-given task of shepherding. The awakening seeks to attract and reach out to uncommitted seekers, friends, relatives, work associates, and neighbors. We hope that will always be the case. But at some point, it's important to identify those who truly comprise the flock at the awakening, the core that can be counted on to build and sustain the biblical community and ministries. Third, and perhaps most importantly, experience shows that membership benefits the individual. 
In a culture where commitment is no longer highly valued, recognizable membership is an important step that moves each of us out of the vague clouds of our good intentions and into the clear light of committed participation. It presents a challenge to step out of the stands and publicly affirm a commitment to Christ and to a specific local body. Membership can be a significant defining moment in one's lifelong discipleship journey. I like the whole concept of visual stepping out of the stands. I've carried this with me for a number of years. The idea of there's a big difference between people that sit up in the stands and the people that are down on the field. Even a difference between the people that are on the field and the people that are on the sidelines. And so membership, in one sense, is a defining moment in discipleship that says, you know, maybe I'm a little bit on the fence. Now, you may be serving faithfully, sharing your faith uh, during the week, having a heart that's growing bigger for God, all those things. There's no discrediting of that. But there's just something about saying, you know, I'm committed to be a part of that body and make things happen for as long as God calls me. Positional and participating, these are two different key terms, and I want to bring some distinction. You could park here and and preach a whole series on the next three paragraphs. But how exactly do you define a member? This question needs clarification, since the Bible points to two kinds of membership. Scripture is full of references to the once-for-all union with Christ and His body, which happens at the instance of your conversion. At that moment, you become a positional member in the universal church of Jesus Christ, based solely on His merit and grace. Positional membership is eternal and unchanging. It is known ultimately by God Himself. In other words, if we were to call up God today and go, Hey God, who are real members of your church? He would know like that. He won't even have to pull up something off His database. He knows. He knows who have yielded in their heart and who are following Him. We can't touch that. That's none of our business. God knows who his flock are, and he's calling people to himself, and we're pointing people to follow him, right? That is your positional membership in the one true church of Jesus Christ. And when we get to heaven, it won't be, hey, this is, I'm from the Awakening, I'm from the Rock Church, you know, I'm from you know, 1027, I'm from, you know, you name your church, Calvary Chapel, whatever. Church of Jesus Christ. One church. All who are followers of him. Jesus is the head. God knows. Are you a positional member in the church of God? And we've talked about that, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ in the last few weeks in the series on conversations with Jesus. But then the Bible also urges positional members to continue growing by connecting to a specific local body. At the awakening, we have chosen to refer to this as being a participating member. We truly see it as a step of discipleship. Obviously, you may be a participating member of several different local bodies during the course of your lifetime as a Christ follower while maintaining a permanent positional membership in Christ's universal church. We cannot see the invisible bond of positional membership. Only God can, right? But we can identify those who are participating members of the awakening. For this reason, we've chosen to establish a participating membership covenant to guide us along the pathway of personal growth and local church commitment. There's a word about congregational meetings there and some uh, things as it relates to what members um, do when uh, we gather in an organized manner. But I want to move to the next page. To become a participating member of the Awakening Church, we've outlined just five simple things. One is a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. No use trying to be a part of a local participating 
a local church is a participating member in one sense if you really aren't a part of the true positional membership of the one universal church. So have you had a profession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's number one. Number two is the public testimony of baptism. Baptism is one of the two sacraments we're taught in scriptures we are to do. The Lord's Supper and baptism. You heard A.B. Simpson's testimony about being baptized by immersion because in the tradition he came out of, they were sprinkled, I guess, or poured maybe. But he believed, and various people believe different ways, and, and we believe in immersion. And so we encourage people to be baptized after they're a believer, for believer's baptism. And we want the membership of this body to be baptized. We're looking at doing baptism here. And if you are interested in being baptized and you've never been baptized, then just mark that on the back of that connection card that's in front of you and we'll be in touch with you. But to be a member of the church, we want you to be baptized. However, it doesn't mean you have to be baptized before you become a member. I'm not going to be legalistic on that. That's why it's stated here as opportunity for, if not done prior. At the next opportunity that you're able to be baptized, you'll be baptized. You make a commitment to identify publicly as a follower of Christ. Number three, completion of a membership class for the Awakening Church. You're almost done with it. (laughs) Number four, a signed commitment to uphold the membership covenant. And then five, that that interest is then evaluated and taken in by the church elder team, which uh, is uh, what's ordained of the Alliance to be a part of. And there's a personal affirmation and prayer from the church elder team. All right? You don't end up having to do anything big in public, all that kind of thing, except the baptism part. That's public. But those are the five simple ways. If you want to become a member of the Awakening Church, and we've not had official membership of this church ever before, not just with the new name change, but really a list that goes back ten years, you today can be a part of the charter membership, the founding member of the Awakening Church, even though we've been in existence for 10 years as a community of people. If you're interested in doing that, I want you to take that connection card out that's behind you and just write membership interest. Membership interest. And those cards are going to be received with the tithes and the offerings of the Lord. All right? Here in a second. And we will be in touch with you, and I want to send you the membership covenant as it relates to... uh, to what we're calling people to do. And it, it's something you can then sign and send back in or turn in. Um, and I'm going to have to walk through how to figure that out. I don't want there to be a hurdle if you want to be a part of the founding charter membership of the Awakening Church. Now, next week when you come back, we're going to walk through in detail a little bit more of what this membership covenant that is there. But the membership covenant means that you're in agreement with being on board for those five bullet points underneath those three values that are listed there. The deeper life, the communal life, and the missional life. All right? So today, living the call together, mission. Next week, living the call together, community. And we're going to be talking about those membership covenant points and um, the next page following from that. Cool? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to close by going back and rereading what we heard in the video from A.B. Simpson. The remedy for our spiritual situation in New York 
Maybe we ought to change that to just Temecula Valley. How about that? The remedy for our spiritual situation in Temecula Valley is the repentance of professing Christians, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the revival of the evangelistic work in the Christian church. Let Christians awaken, then, to their responsibility. Let religion cease to be an amusement, and let it become a holy trust. Let the churches open their doors freely to all classes and let members go to their neighborhoods and invite them in. Let the public halls and theaters be open for evangelistic services and let plain, earnest men go wherever they can gather the masses to reach in little communities, to, uh, masses together in little communities or great and preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and the simplicity of love. Let the interest of our church be forgotten in the honor of Christ, in the honor of Christ and the peril of souls. Let us be sure we are saved and let us be sure men are lost. And then let us speak as men that believe. Let us give up our plans of pleasure, selfishness and ease and prepare for a winter of earnest work. Let us put away our idols and turn from our admonitions, abominations. And above all, let us cry mightily to him for the word of power and the breadth of life that alone can change this valley. Oh, he does use the word valley, see? Of dry bones into an exceeding great army of living souls and soldiers of the cross. And we shall find that there are resources enough among us if touched by the consecrating power to save the city, the valley, and to save the world. I just want to say thank you for being a part of this body for seeking to be fully alive in Christ and to be on mission together. There's nothing greater, I believe, in all of eternity that we'll look back on than the wins as well as sometimes the struggles of laboring together to be the body of Christ in a lost and dying world. And thanks for considering being a part of a member of this church. Let's worship the Lord by remembering who He was. The man of sorrows. He gave His life so that all could have life and we are stewards of that hope. Ushers will come after we start singing to receive your connection cards with your membership interest as well as the Lord's tithes and offerings. Chris.